0: Hello, uh, this is, uh, my first, uh, podcast and, uh, this is a brand new, um, podcast called morning Mornington's musings. And, uh, the name Mornington is just, uh, it's, it's actually a name that, um, of a street somewhere that I, uh, I seen when I was driving somewhere, um, in Ontario, um, more in the Southern portion of Ontario. And there was just something about the, the name Mornington and it kind of stuck in my head for a number of years. So, um, yeah, I just thought it would be kind of an interesting name for a podcast. Um, so this is basically, um, I'm a mature student, I'm 42 years old, uh, started my, uh, didn't start my university journey until I was 39. So um, this is for an assignment for a community economic and social development class called uh, racialization, migration, and identity. Um, And in the future, I'll probably um, put other things on here, just kind of other musings, uh, other things uh, that I want to talk about. But for this particular um, podcast, it's going to be centered around our project. So I'm going to be um, reading uh, my thoughts and uh, talking about my thoughts, as well as uh, my partner for this uh, project, uh, Jamie Jones, has sent me uh, a write-up um, on, on her section. So um, it's a collaborative effort um, that we're going to be doing um, to do a short presentation for the class and then sort of link to this. So, um, but it'll be good because I'm not sure, like, how many people have like a broader understanding of this topic. I think that a lot of people um, in Canada, in Ontario have sort of a basic understanding of what we're going to talk about, but hopefully maybe we can enlighten people and maybe they can um, check out this website or maybe check out the webinar that we're going to talk about and um, maybe go a little bit more in depth with it. And maybe uh, more further education on uh, things for themselves, um, and maybe even some advocacy. So with having said that, um, for this class, uh, as as mentioned, it's on racialization, migration, and identity. And we had a number of uh, topics we could choose from. So um, we chose to do um, the migrant farm worker program. Um, So we, we researched that. And we went off of the OCOW website. So it's o, um, O-H-C-A-O-C, sorry, O-H-C-O-W dot O-N dot um, And OCAW stands for Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario Workers. So we're gonna just kind of highlight some of the things about the website as well as um, talk about the we were to attend uh, some sort of event um, to do with uh, social advocacy or um, it could be live or it could have been pre-recorded. In this case, um, we watched a webinar that was live but it was um, recorded for further consumption for future consumption so that's what we watched. Um, so I'm just going to go through a little bit of the website and talk about what this organization does um, and how they help migrant farm workers. So as I mentioned, um, OCAW stands for occupational health clinics across uh, occupational health clinics for Ontario workers. So we're going to touch on that and what an occupational health clinic is in a moment. But um, first, we're going to talk about, um, they have a number of programs. Um, they have a number of uh, farm worker resources, uh, COVID-19 resources, um, and different different things. Uh, migrant farm worker projects, uh, m- migrant farm worker health forums um, that are kind of on a yearly thing. Mental injury toolkit. They have video series. So they have a lot of different um um sections and and uh but basically we're going to be focusing on the one section in particular or maybe the two i should say the two sections in particular which is the migrant farm worker program which kind of overlaps into the occupational health clinics as well so the migrant farm worker program category states this on the website So every year, thousands of migrant farm workers come to Canada to work in the agriculture industry, including 20,000 arriving in Ontario to work on farms and in greenhouses. So I don't know how many of us really realize that. I know when I, like I'm in my early 40s, and I remember even back when I was probably six, seven years old, I remember seeing um, kind of migrant workers in the 80s, 1980s kind of come in, like I'm from Woodstock, Ontario. So a lot of this, not all of it, but a lot of it kind of centers around, you know, southern and central Ontario because there's so many, it's such a large um, farming community down there. So I, I did I did remember seeing, in particular, a bunch of people kind of come in and, and my, my family used to say, oh, the apple pickers are in town. Um, and it was like a lot of, I think it was like a lot of Jamaican people or something, or some, some some type of, uh, area in that like Caribbean era area, but I was largely unaware of the scope of it actually, until we started learning about it in this, in this class. So 20,000, like. And, I mean, I'm sure that that has increased, like, over the years, like, since I was a kid, but still, I mean, that's a lot, right? So, 20,000 arriving in Ontario to work on farms and in greenhouses. Um, These workers play a vital role in the industry and, therefore, Ontario's economy. The Provincial Expert Advisory Panel on Occupational Health and Safety, subsequently the Ontario Ministry of Labour, which is MOL have identified this labor force as a group who face barriers in accessing effective occupational health and safety resources and support. As migrant farm workers spend the majority of their time at work and farm work can be physically demanding, uh, involving a variety of hazards, an occupational health and safety focus is particularly important for supporting the health of this population. Um, The Occupational Health Clinics, and this is where it overlaps um, for Ontario workers, OCAO, has developed a program specifically focused on supporting Ontario migrant farm workers and their employees. So, uh, since 2006, we have offered our services to migrant farm workers, their employees and community partners with the aim to continue to become valued partners in agriculture and horticulture, occupational health and safety. So they have worked with farms in uh, Durham, Haldeman, Norfolk and Niagara regions, plus Brant and Lambton counties. Um, They have delivered occupational health and safety workshops to a thousand plus migrant farm workers. They continue to identify, develop, and distribute health and safety information, resources and materials and literacy. And they have a lot of different languages that they can um, translate those into. Um, And they continue to support farms with strategies and best practices to ensure their um, health and safety programs are effectively understood and reflect the needs of the diverse labor force in agriculture and horticulture. Um, So some of the things that they do is occupational health and safety workshops, effective educational resources, help translating your existing occupational health and safety program materials, resource toolbox for farms, um, workplace consultations and clinical consultations. So that's pretty uh, broad. And um, obviously, a lot of these people are also trying to get um, more of a documented status when they come here, because that is another big issue that if they're migrant um, sometimes, or or a lot of the time they don't um, qualify for the same services as somebody that would be like having a permanent resident status. So there was a, there was several like fairly large protests uh, in Ontario sort of, um trying to demand of the government um this this whole concept of status for all. Um, and um that's just basically so that people that are here and they might be here for like, you know, four, five, six months out of the year, can actually have more of an equal access to things, right? Um, so let's see, as far as the So there's a a bunch of occupational health clinics um, across Ontario and they basically, um, here we go, there's the clinic. So they have an eastern, uh, northwestern, northern, central, uh, south central and southwestern regions and they have uh, clinics located in Hamilton, Ottawa, Sarnia, Sudbury, Thunder Bay, uh, Toronto, and Windsor. And these um, these clinics they serve they service um, quite a wide um, range of communities within those bigger communities. Um, so. The occupational health uh, clinics for Ontario workers are dedicated to the identification and prevention of work-related illnesses. At the core of each clinic is a dedicated staff trained in occupational medicine who are available to provide medical examinations for a full range of work-related illnesses. The clinics are open to anyone with a possible occupational health problem. While tending to the individual needs of each worker, OCAO has also developed a public health-oriented clinical approach. This involves uh, determining whether co-workers are at risk and uh, taking steps to have their workplace evaluated, um, if needed. Consequently, the impact of the clinics reaches far beyond those persons seen as individual um, patients. So this could involve a lot of different things. And in the, in the live webinar that um, we watched, we didn't watch it live, but um, it was open live to a number of people in um, the farming community and the government sector. And they had um, somebody come in by the name of Ron Landry from the ministry. And he was talking about their um, COVID-19 um, inspection um, system that they have. And, and it's, it's, it was quite interesting to listen to and how they would, um, basically conduct, um, spontaneous, uh, investigations of, of random farms to see if the migrant workers were being properly protected with things like, you know, PPE or, adequate social distancing, like were they all crowded into these um small areas where where they could where they could, you know, get infected, were were the um eating areas being properly sanitized, where were were people spaced out appropriately, um, if they found they had a medical issue, was it was it something that Were these workers, did these workers feel safe enough to approach their employer and say, I need to leave, I need to go get medical access, or was it something that they were fearful of doing? So these, um, when it states that, you know, it, it can have implications that are far beyond the individual person, um, they did talk about even things like anonymous, um, People could call the ministry anonymously if if they sort of witnessed um, some kind of abuse secondhand, and the abuse didn't just have to be related to the COVID nineteen crisis, like with 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 inadequate safety or PPE or whatever. It it could could have also been like any type of other issue, um, and there was also even an anonymous human trafficking um, line that um, this individual this expert from the ministry, um, was talking about as well. So that's, that's, that's pretty cool that, um, they can just sort of drop in because obviously that way it's kind of like, I was a commercial cleaner for years. Right. And I worked for a lot of different companies and it's not very effective. Like I worked my way up in the last company, um, I worked into as, as a team lead and I have a bad back. So that was eventually why I retrained um, and came back to school at the age of 39, because I just kept putting my back out. Right. And I was on a cane several times a year. So I knew I had to retrain, but I worked for a number of companies that would, that, that would kind of announce <laughs> that they were doing an inspection. And it's like, that's not effective. Right. And and when I worked my way up as a team leader, um, I knew that the best inspections were the ones that nobody knew about, right? You, you come in after hours after the cleaner has left and locked up the building, the commercial building for the night, you have your own set of keys. You come in and you inspect because it, because that's how you evaluate their work the best, right? If they know you're coming, um, of course, they're going to clean up and they're, they're and it's the same thing with uh, like you, you have to be able to catch people as they are in their natural state to see if they're treating their workers correctly or not. So it's the same kind of concept. So I actually really like the idea that the ministry would um, kind of adopt this program where they would just kind of spontaneously come in to, uh, to an unsuspecting farm. And, and do that. Um, so, yeah, I mean, the only the only unfortunate thing is because there's so many farms in Ontario, he said, like, it's impossible to get to them all. Right? Like, we, we're, we're only so many people. We're, we're not like this huge team. Um, so, I mean, obviously, the unfortunate part is abuse is going to happen. And they can't catch it all. But I guess you'd rather you know, lose a fight, then lose the war. Right. So I guess it's that kind of, kind of idea that you have to kind of start somewhere, right. You have to kick at the darkness till it bleeds daylight that way. Um, so I think overall it it, it is a good, it, I think overall it's a force for good. Um, and I actually found it, found it very interesting because I didn't know anything really about these people coming over from different countries and leaving their families behind in a lot of uh, situations for months at a time and really not feeling safe in their own um, environment. And we had a lot of readings this term that, that kind of alluded to the fact that there was not a lot of psychological safety going on. And I think we all know that it's very, very important that we feel psychologically safe right that that we of course we want to feel physically safe but we want to feel emotionally and psychologically safe and if these people feel like they can't approach their their supervisors or their bosses for even something like i'm sick i need to leave the farm right a lot of them feel like they're just bound with that and they they don't have access to the same um things that other people that had permanent residency status would have. Um, so it, it really does open up your eyes to, to a lot of, to a lot of things that maybe you, you didn't really previously think about. And the odd thing is, I mean, I grew up in a farm community. I mean, a huge farming community um, in Oxford County in Southwestern Ontario. And this is not something that anybody really talked about, you know? Um, so, I even found that, I even found that really interesting. And I really love the idea that this guy brought up the whole, if you, even if you suspect something more than COVID, if you, if you expect like that, there's human trafficking going on or something like that, because we all know that like I'm in Sault Ste. Marie now, and you know, we hear about, you know, the area between, um, Sault Ste. Marie and, um, Thunder Bay being like this, like Highway 17, because it's fairly remote, being like this huge human trafficking hub issue. Um, So, I mean, even the fact that they have clinics, you know, they, as I mentioned, in like Thunder Bay and Sudbury and things like that. um, I think it's really good that they, he mentioned this, this human trafficking line and it's anonymous because so much of that is going on and i think everything ties into everything else and of course the idea of you know feeling like there would be no psychological safety if you were kind of always on the cusp of maybe thinking what if this happens what if i end up in this this situation right so i mean it was it, it was an interesting webinar to watch and i encourage people to um to, uh, check it out. The, um, the YouTube channel is basically just O-Cow, uh, clinics. So that again, that would be O-H-C-O-W clinics. So if you type that into the YouTube, um, search, you should be able to come up with that channel. It's a small channel, I think it has under 300 subscribers, but it's, um, I think it's a one hour and 15 minute webinar. And um, they took uh, questions at the end. So I mean, if you do live in, well, I was going to say if you live in Ontario, but even if you don't, um, I, I think it's always good to keep our keep our eyes open and like educate ourselves about Things we may not know about or the 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 plights of people that we may not know about right so Just a little bit about this organization. OCAO, in general Um, It in case anybody wants to you know sort of support their work or get involved um, This is a little bit about their history so it says Throughout the 1970s and 80s, workers in Ontario became increasingly aware of the toll of injury and disease caused by da- uh, dangerous and unhealthy working conditions. A groundswell of opinion demanded more effective diagnosis of work-related health problems and effective prevention strategies. The Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario Workers, O.C.O. <clears throat> was established in 1989 by the Ontario Federation of Labour, OFL. Sorry, I just need to get a drink here. And is funded through the Ontario Ministry of Labour. The first clinic opened in 1989 in Hamilton with subsequent clinics Um, Opening in Toronto, Windsor, uh, Sudbury, Sarnia, Thunder Bay, and more recently in Ottawa, which is interesting because the capital was the last one to open. (laughs) Um, And they are staffed by an interdisciplinary team of nurses, hygienists, ergonomists, I'm not quite sure what that is, uh, researchers, uh, client service coordinators, and contracted physicians. Each OCAW clinic provides comprehensive occupational health services and information in five areas, an inquiry service to answer work related health and safety questions, medical diagnostic services for workers who may have work related health problems, a uh, group service for worker uh, workplace health and safety committees and groups of workers. Outreach and education to increase awareness of health and safety issues uh, and promote prevention strategies. Uh, Research services to investigate and report on illness and injuries, so I think that's kind of a branch of the um, investigative unit that I uh, mentioned before. Um, Our clients include workers joint health and safety committees or representatives unions uh, employers health professionals, community groups, legal clinics, uh, students and members of the public. OCOW is governed by an 18 person volunteer board of directors. At the local level, each of the seven clinics has a local advisory committee. The management of OCOW is comprised of a chief executive officer, chief operating officer and executive directors of the seven clinics. Um, so that's a little bit of the history of how they got started. And um, there, yeah, there, there's a lot of different uh, resources on the website. There's occupational health, there's hazards and exp- uh, exposures. Um, there's, there's a lot of resources. There's COVID-19 advocate resources and referrals. So if you want to get involved in this uh, migrant farm worker advocacy, Um, By all means, check out their website. Uh, There's fact sheets, handouts, technical info sheets, health and safety, um, occupational health toolkits and apps, uh, safety working from home or safely working from home. There's virtual home office ergonomic assignments um, and OCAL leads occupational disease action plan, events and webinars. So you can see when they plan future events and webinars. Um, so there's all kinds of resources on this, um, on this website, ocow.on.ca. So what I'm going to do now is I'm going to read my partner's, uh, version of not version, but my, my partner's, um, write up of, of her experience of the whole thing. So I'm just going to bring that up. So this is uh, my partner's reflection on the uh, assignment and it goes as, as follows. So many temporary migrants come to Canada to work in industries such as food services, agriculture and hospitality These industries usually consist of jobs that Canadians are not willing to do, as they are considered to be high demanding in uh, terms of working conditions and usually low paying. These migrant workers are, for the most part, invisible to many Canadians. And I absolutely agree with that because, like I said, I grew up with that and my eyes were even growing up in a farming community. I knew very little about it until this this course. Um, Invisible to many Canadians as they are usually located in isolated regions such as farms or camps. Prior to the pandemic, many Canadians were not aware of this particular workforce. I absolutely agree. The COVID-19 pandemic has not only made these workers more visible, but also emphasized the essential work that they do. Absolutely. The organization that we chose is the Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario, also known as OCOW. The objective of this organization is to provide protection to workers and their families related to occupational injuries, diseases, and illnesses, OCOW 2021. The Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario Workers, Inc. focuses on addressing occupational hazards in the workplace while promoting social, mental, and physical well-being to workers and their families. The services that OCAL offers include occupational health and safety workshops, effective educational resources, support translating your existing occupational health and safety program, resource toolbox for agriculture industry, workplace consultations, and clinical consultations. The OCAW website is very informative as it offers various information and resources for occupational health and safety in the workplace, specific to workers, employers and their families. The website includes several drop downs that include an About Us page, which provides information about OCAW's mission and vision statement. Board of Directors, their history and potential careers and clinics. Also an occupational health drop down that provides resources and information regarding ergonomics, occupational asthma, uh, physical demands, description, hygiene, response to downgrade of PPE precautions for COVID-19 and work-related cancer. They also include links to OCAL fact sheets, COVID-19 resources, safety working from home, occupational health uh, toolkits and apps, virtual home ergonomic assessments, OCAW Occupational Disease Action Plan, as well as events and webinars. This provides migrant workers with the resources that they need in order to maintain safe workplace habits. This website also provides migrant workers with an online with an outline, of the standard that their workplace should be operating at as well as procedures for dealing with workplace hazards and enforcement of the law where compliance has not been achieved voluntarily. Yes, and they talked about this in the um, the webinar as well, that there can be some serious fines and even jail time depending on the amount of non-compliance. This information is provided in language appropriate format.